Section 15 of The Valley of the Moon by Jack London. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book One, Chapter 15. Why, Bert, you're squiffed, Mary cried reproachfully. The four were at the table in the private room at Barnum's. The wedding supper, simple enough, but seemingly too expensive to Saxon, had been eaten. Bert, in his hand a glass of California red wine, which the management supplied for fifty cents a bottle, was on his feet, endeavoring a speech. His face was flushed, his black eyes were feverishly bright. "'You've been drinking before you met me,' Mary continued. "'I can see it sticking out all over you.' "'Consult an oculist, my dear,' he replied. "'Bertram is himself tonight.' and here he is arising to his feet to give the glad hand to his old pal. Bill, old man, here's to you. It's howdy-do and good-bye, I guess. You're a married man now, Bill, and you've got to keep regular hours. No more running around with the boys. You've got to take care of yourself and get your life insured and take out an accident policy and join a building and loan society and a burying association. Now you shut up, Bert, Mary broke in. You don't talk about burying at weddings. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Whoa, Mary, back up. I said what I said because I meant it. I ain't thinking what Mary thinks. What I was thinking, let me tell you what I was thinking. I said burying association, didn't I? Well, it was not with the idea of casting gloom over this merry gathering. Far be it. He was so evidently seeking a way out of his predicament that Mary tossed her head triumphantly. This acted as a spur to his reeling wits. Let me tell you why, he went on. Because, Bill, you've got such an all-fired pretty wife. That's why. All the fellas is crazy over her, and when they get to running after her, what'll you be doing? You'll be getting busy. And then won't you need a burying association to bury em? I guess, yes. That was the compliment to your good tastes in skirts I was trying to come across with when Mary butted in. His glittering eyes rested for a moment in bantering triumph on Mary. Who says I'm swift? Me? Not on your life. I'm seeing all things in a clear white light. And I see Bill there, my old friend Bill. And I don't see two Bills. I see only one. Bill was never two-faced in his life. Bill, old man, when I look at you there in the married harness, I'm sorry. He ceased abruptly and turned on Mary. Now don't go up in the air, old girl. I'm on to my job. My grandfather was a state senator, and he could spiel graceful and pleasin' till the cows come home. So can I. Bill, when I look at you, I'm sorry. I repeat, I'm sorry. He glared challengingly at Mary. For myself, when I look at you and know all the happiness you got a hammerlock on, take it from me, you're a wise guy. Bless the woman. You started well, keep it up. Marry him and bless him. But here's to you. You're a Mahigan with a scalp lock, and you've got a squaw that is some squaw. Take it from me. Minnie ha here's to you, to the two of you, 
and to the papooses, too, gosh dang them. He drained the glass suddenly and collapsed in his chair, blinking his eyes across at the wedded couple, while tears trickled unheeded down his cheeks. Mary's hand went out soothingly to his, completing his breakdown. By God, I've got a right to cry, he sobbed. I'm losing my best friend, ain't I? It'll never be the same again, never. When I think of the fun and the scrapes and the good times Bill and me has had together, I could darn near hate you, Saxon, sitting there with your hand in his. Cheer up, Bert, she laughed gently. Look at whose hand you are holding. Ah, oh, it's only one of his crying jags, Mary said, with a harshness that her free hand belied as it caressed his hair with soothing strokes. Buck up, Bert. Everything's all right. And now it's up to Bill to say something after your dandy spiel. Bert recovered himself quickly with another glass of wine. Kick in, Bill, he cried. It's your turn now. I'm no hot-air artist, Billy grumbled. What do I say, Saxon? There ain't no use telling them how happy we are. They know that. Then tell them we're always going to be happy, she said, and thank them for all their good wishes. And we both wish them the same. And we're always going to be together like old times, the four of us. And tell them that they're invited down to 507 Pine Street next Sunday for Sunday dinner. And Mary, if you want to come Saturday night, you can sleep in the spare bedroom. You've done told him yourself better than I could, Billy clapped his hands. You did yourself proud, and I guess there ain't much to add to it, but just the same, I'm going to pass them a hot one. He stood up, his hand on his glass, his clear blue eyes under the dark brows and framed by the dark lashes seemed a deeper blue and accentuated the blondness of hair and skin. The smooth cheeks were rosy, not with wine, for it was only his second glass, but with health and joy. Saxon, looking up at him, thrilled with pride in him. He was so well-dressed, so strong, so handsome, so clean-looking, her man-boy. And she was aware of pride in herself, in her woman's desirableness, that had won for her so wonderful a lover. Well, Bert and Mary, here you are at Saxon's and my wedding supper. We're just going to take all your good wishes to heart. We wish you the same back, and when we say it, we mean more than you think we mean. Saxon and I believe in tit for tat, so we're wishing for the day when the table is turned, clear round, and we're sitting as guests at your wedding supper, and then, when you come to Sunday dinner, you can both stop Saturday night in the spare bedroom. I guess I was wised up when I furnished it, huh? I never thought it of you, Bill, Mary exclaimed. You're every bit as raw as Bert, but just the same. There was a rush of moisture to her eyes. Her voice faltered and broke. She smiled through her tears at them, then turned to look at Bert, who put his arm around her and gathered her onto his knees. When they left the restaurant, the four walked to 8th and Broadway, where they stopped beside the electric car. Bert and Billy were awkward and silent, oppressed by strange aloofness. But Mary embraced Saxon with fond anxiousness. 
"'It's all right, dear,' Mary whispered. "'Don't be scared. It's all right. Think of all the other women in the world.' The conductor clanged the gong, and the two couples separated in a sudden hubbub of farewell. "'Oh, you, Mahigan,' Bert called after, as the car got under way. "'Oh, you, Minnie, ha-ha!' "'Remember what I said,' was Mary's parting to Saxon. The car stopped at Seventh and Pine, the terminus of the line. It was only a little over two blocks to the cottage. On the front steps, Billy took the key from his pocket. "'Funny, isn't it?' he said, as the key turned in the lock. "'You and me. Just you and me.' When he lighted the lamp in the parlor, Saxon was taking off her hat. He went into the bedroom and lighted the lamp there, then turned back and stood in the doorway. Saxon, still unaccountably fumbling with her hatpins, stole a glance at him. He held out his arms. Now, he said. She came to him, and in his arms he could feel her trembling. End of section 15